Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. Thank y'all for being here. I'm really excited um, to teach this message that I believe God has downloaded on me. And I've been ready to preach this for quite some time. And so um, I'm really excited. So we say this, we are four points thing, but it's not just so we can have a hashtag on social media. It's not just so we can have a cool mural if you walk out the back. Um, and it's not just because other places like colleges and stuff like that have done it. It's because, listen to me, this is very important. It's because that we believe that everybody was here at the first service, everybody that's at their house today, everybody that calls this place their church plays a part in what we believe God wants to do. We believe it's not about a pastor. We believe it's not about a personality. Actually, I believe it is about a personality, but it's not mine. It's about the Holy Spirit's personality that's going to be flowing through you. That's what we believe. We believe that this is much bigger than ourselves, and it's ultimately to point everybody to Jesus. And it's easy to miss that because the world has told you let the pastors stand up and say what you need to do, get you a little bit of correction, let you go live a better life, and then we go do on our merry way. And, and I need y'all to know this. I'm going to give y'all some terms in the next two weeks. And they're terms that have been misunderstood or they're terms that were completely, totally false that were given. Here's one term that is not in the Bible, and it's the word clergy, clergy. First of all, I've never used that word before right this second, just so y'all know. I am in the clergy. I'm a pastor. And it does mean that, but clergy actually translates someone that reads to someone. So my mama, y'all listen to me right now, was my clergy growing up. I know some of y'all dudes didn't read, and y'all let y'all's mamas read to you, so don't stay quiet. And lay person is not in the Bible where you just sit and lay around and listen to the person read to you and then go do your thing. And that is the problem. Listen to me. That is the problem in the church is we believe that it's leaders. I believed this when I was young and when I was an adult and when I watched people. Well, that's his job. There are things that are my job, but there's a calling that supersedes my job that Christian, listen to me, it's on every one of you. That does not mean you should have the job in office of pastor. That means that the calling of a disciple of Jesus Christ is bigger than pastor. It's more important than pastor. And every one of you have it on. And here's what I'm telling you. The burden of my heart is this. And Four Points exists for this, to reach the least lost and lonely with the gospel and see their lives change as a result. We're going to reach the least lost and lonely with his message, with the gospel. But if the church would ever figure out and I'm talking capital C, not four points. If the global church would ever figure out that it's not about a small group that we think has gotten the pixie dust put on them, that they're better than everybody else and we just get to follow them. And I'm, it's not wrong to follow people. That's great. What I'm saying is they're not the only ones with the stuff in them. You have it too. And we've missed the point. See, that's the grace coming down. Do y'all hear it? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But, but, but the point is, every single one of us have that inside of us, and we miss it because we think, well, they've got it covered. 
If they had it covered, I'm about to preach before I'm supposed to. If they had it covered, wouldn't we see something change in the world? Wouldn't we see the goal, the ultimate goal of Four Points, the mission that, that we will take the culture that currently exists and, and, and replace it with something bigger and better? What culture is that? The one that Jesus came to establish, the kingdom culture. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that I'm crazy enough to believe that what Jesus said could happen is ready to happen. I'm crazy enough to believe that we don't have to just pray for a revival, that we have to come to an agreement with God in our minds that revival never left this planet, that his name is the Holy Spirit, and that we have not understood what he is able to do. That the Bible says, not Mark, that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than I can ask or even think. But that is the problem, of, is, is the church constantly thinks about it. We constantly make our minds up, well, we'll do it someday. Life happens. Are y'all with me? Life happens and it's hard. When life starts coming through our stuff and we lose this and we have this and, and breakups happen, and it, it's terrible sometimes because life is hard. Jesus said, in this world, you will face trials and tribulations of many kind in, in John 16, 33. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And everything in your life, even if it's good stuff, is trying to keep you from God's stuff. It's trying to keep you from what God has planned for your life because he is the point. Somebody say, he is the point. Say it again. Say, he is the point. I am not the point and you are not the point and I will never be the point. And at that, I was about to say point again, it was too many. At that time that I've realized point that, that I'm not that, that, I, that the world does not revolve around this. And in your chair, you're laughing saying, thank God it doesn't revolve around this. But we think the same things about ourselves, right? But, but at, at the moment that I realize that it doesn't revolve around me, everything then comes against me and it's chaos and it's crazy because the enemy is cool with you as long as you don't make it all about him. As long as you don't make it all about Jesus. And if I do those things, I get frustrated. And listen, this is what happens. This is big. Infighting starts. Comparison starts. Y'all, for 2,000 years, this has been the case. There have been stuff that have popped up, little bits here and there of these great moves of God. But it's like, it's like this, this, this weird time in the stock market that goes real high and then it drops back down. That's all the blips we've seen of great moves of God. And I'm crazy enough to say enough of that already. We serve a big God who is ready to do what we can't even comprehend, but it will not happen with a preacher and a microphone. It will happen when God's people humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn. That's how it happens. And so I'm telling you that the purpose of our church and what God is going to do, even if it's not in our lifetime, even if it's what we leave behind for the next generations, I don't care what people say. If, if this generation now, they just, we're losing them left and right. Pastor, it's going to be bad. I see it. I live in this world, I watch the news, and I get depressed just like you do. And I'm tired of looking out and getting depressed and then doing nothing about it. A social media post is fine. Let's do something. Let's do something. Let's do something. And so what are we going to do about it? How are we going to actually do this? How are we going to actually do this? Here's this week's term. I want everybody to say spirit. Spirit. Now say ghost. That's a more fun one to say because y'all think Ghostbusters like I do. Tell the truth. Anytime you say spirit or ghost, this is what comes to my mind. If you're not this, then praise God. 
because you've just got it covered. But I'm being real with y'all today. I'm going to put my cards on the table early on. When I hear someone talking about ghosts, I immediately think to myself, I don't want to see their house. Please don't invite me over. They crazy, right? If y'all need to, if y'all need me to, I can get into what crazy means now because it, it's crazy stuff, right? Are y'all with me? Like, please don't bite me. I see your problem. Like, I'm getting a little bit uncomfortable. And then, and then really spirit's the same way, right? We, we, we hear spirit and we're like, are they going to, the whole time, do they have a cloud? Do they get a cloud? Like, does the, does the Lord give them like a pet cloud that they get to ride up on? And they're just always in white clothes. Y'all with me? Because they're just good. Because that's what I think. I just always think that people talk this way and they're just, they're probably weird. And, and, and you've seen them. You've seen them. We watch TV. I grew up Baptist. I'm thankful for my Baptist background, my education, all of that. I'm thankful. But in some of the cases, not all, I had some great teachings. But in some of the cases, I was literally taught as a kid. At a small church that I went to, I was literally told, be careful of anybody that talks about that Holy Ghost. Touche. Okay, I'll listen to that. Be careful of anybody that talks about that Holy Ghost. They'll put on that makeup and they turn around to get on TV, right? And they're just casting out everything all the time and it's weird. Well, I'm agreeing. That's weird. Because the people, listen to me, are weird. People are weird. Y'all just need, write, if you're not going to write anything else down the rest of the day, you can get something, what I'm saying now. You can think, God is crazy and I don't like your message. People are weird. Everybody can say amen. amen. But that doesn't make God weird. And just because he's been packaged poorly by certain places, including some of the places that I grew up at, where I was told if certain things happen, that's demonic. It's crazy to me that they said the same thing about Jesus. Every time Jesus performed miracles, they said that must be from, the religious people said that must be from a demon, that must be the devil, that must be from a demon. And it's because we want to control everything in our lives. Or we want to make believe and have pixie dust where we can just do these cool things. God is not interested in how cool you are. God is interested in putting everybody to his name. He loves you too much to make you just cool. The enemy's really good at, and, and responsible for that. He'll make you whatever you wish that you could be. If he could offer Jesus everything by just bowing down before, I believe that he can offer us the success in our own hearts. I believe that he can make this church. Listen to me because this is going to offend some people, and I do not apologize. He could make this church big as long as he keeps me from my heart being right with God. Success is not the litmus test for walking in the spirit of God humility and openness and boldness before men, not being afraid. And so this is my testimony, and I felt like I was supposed to share it this service. For the last several years, I've felt this pull of what God would have me do, and I've lived in fear of what some people might think. Yeah, but they might think I'm crazy. They might think I'm those people that every time I get around them, I'm talking about some ghost. They might think, what if they think? And listen to me. It's because of the way that I assumed that some people would respond, number one. But the bigger issue in my life was because I'm just simply insecure with my own self a lot of the time because I need man's approval over what I believe about God. And the, and, and the response to those problems and issues are, 
that this is just an afterthought and a laughable thing that as long as you'll follow what I say and not what I do, that we'll be okay, that I can be okay with you, that, I, that I'll put all the blame on you, that I'll get mad anytime anything happens, that I don't look in the mirror and take ownership over anything. And it's because I have, I have given a definition of the word spirit or ghost that's completely bad and I'm afraid of you because I'm trying to be a ghostbuster. And it's nuts. It's nuts. It's this whirlwind that we live in that we think, how do I have to do this? And many times what I find myself getting into a problem with is I believe that it falls on me. So I put pressure and stresses on myself that are ridiculous because they're never intended to be mine to carry in the first place. And I just want to throw my hands up and say, I don't know what to do. So I want to give you the definition of what spirit actually is, but I want to show it to you in the Bible. The, the Holy Spirit, spirit came in Acts chapter 2. Jesus said in Acts 1, don't go anywhere, don't go to Jerusalem yet. The Holy Spirit is coming. In Acts 1-8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, it says there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And in verse 4, it says that the Holy Spirit entered the room. It's powerful. It's an awesome story. Pentecost. That did not make them Pentecostal. That's another word that we have misunderstood. We've given a denomination or a group of people a word that has nothing to do with anything that we think that it means. Because... That's what ignorance does. We think that if you do certain things that you're automatically this, and it, it's just being ignorant, and so is the word spirit. I think this is fascinating, though, and this is where all of us need to get. Listen to me. This is how my life has changed dramatically in the last few years. No man told me this. I'm rebellious in my own heart, and this is what I started praying. God, if it says it in the Bible... I want to know if it's real. And so just open my heart up to whatever you would have me do and let me see it. And I find it fascinating that in Acts 2 happened in 30 AD, but 25 years later in 55 AD, the Bible says in Acts 19.1 that Paul came on some new disciples, some followers of Jesus, and he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when, when you believed? When you got saved and trusted Jesus as your Savior, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And he said, man, we ain't even heard of him. We didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. In other words, it reminds me of some places that I've been in my life. Be careful of that Holy Ghost. We ain't even heard of that dude. Who is that? Why are you talking about spirits up in this place? And it's because we have misrepresented what this actually means. But listen, if 25 years after the Holy Spirit came, there were Christians that had never heard of him, that does not mean that he wasn't inside of them because he saved them. But it meant that they had not had a recognition in their own mind and opened their heart. I want all that you have, Holy Spirit. I am surrendering myself. Flood me. It is not that you can have more of the Holy Spirit. It's that he can have more of you. And in Acts 19, I believe that's what happened by laying on of hands based on what the Bible says. And so this is what the word spirit actually means. It's the Hebrew word ruach. Say ruach. Say it again. Say ruach. Feels good to say that. And then pneuma in the New Testament. And sometimes when you see these words, it's not the word spirit or ghost. In the King James, it's, it's the word wind or breath or violent exhalation. It's, it's the word air in motion. And that's the description of it. But here's the deal. If we talked about God the Father and God the Son, and God the Holy Breath. Are y'all with me? If you thought it was weird for someone to say ghost, 
if you said, I received the holy breath. Nobody? Y'all don't think it's weird? I think it's weird. Tic-tac, I guess, is what happens when you get the holy breath, because that's weird to me. So, so that is why the English translators, and I'm not even, I'm not arguing that they should have called the Holy Spirit something else. I'm just saying I'm not sure that that gives the definition and description like it should actually be, because it's confusing. It's the best they could do, I believe. If we lived in those times, if we understood Koine Greek or Hebrew, we'd be like, sweet, that's what it means. But in our language, because English is so unique, we just think, I ain't afraid of that ghost. I ain't scared of no ghost. I'm going ghost busting. And that's not what it actually means. It means air in motion. So let me give you this picture because I think this is really important. In just a second, I'm going to show you Genesis 1 and how we get the first time that the Spirit of God enters the equation. And so look at this. It says that the earth, and in, in this is the second verse in the Bible, was without void, or without form, and it was void, and darkness was all over everywhere. But it says the Spirit of God, the Ruach, was hovering over the face of the waters. And when you see this and you think, how was the Spirit, like, this is weird, if he lives inside of me and he raised Jesus from the dead, is what, is what Romans 8.11 says, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of me. And I get this weird feeling that how was he hovering and what does this look like? It was, the, it was, the, it was just the presence of God was already there. That's all that it means, that, that he was moving like a wind would move. It's not, nothing weird about it. But this is what I love in, in, in Genesis. God goes through and makes all of these things. Genesis 1, he, he, he makes the evening and the morning, and he makes light. He says, let there be light, and all of these things happen. And then, after he got done with everything, he made man. But he didn't make man by just speaking like he made everything else. He made man through this. He reached down picked up some dirt, and the Bible says that he breathed life into dirt. He breathed life into dirt, and there was Adam. The only other time that the Spirit of God birthed someone out of nothing, that it wasn't human beings procreating, was Jesus. When it says that the Spirit of God came upon Mary, and that Mary had a virgin birth in Jesus. So there was one spirit birth in Adam, and there was a second spirit birth in the second Adam, Jesus. Because Adam screwed it up, I have a chance now because the second Adam got it right because he came from God, and he's good. Listen, this is going to blow some of y'all's minds, or maybe you're, you're tracking with me the whole time, but the Bible's about two men. It's about Adam, and it's about the second Adam, Jesus. And if you cannot understand that the first one messed it up, that we try to be a lot like him, that we try to live in the knowledge of good and evil rather than the tree of life, and that Jesus offers me that, if we can't get that part, then we're missing everything. And the truth is, the second Adam took the place, Jesus, of the first Adam, and he did it by a spirit birth. This is important. Now, I know for some of y'all it feels like this right now, but just keep tracking with me. This is big. Each one of us have the opportunity to have a rebirth just like he had and just like Adam had. The first time when he breathed and there was life because the breath of God, the wind, is the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. So I want to teach you this in just a couple parts, and I want to give you the characteristics of what wind actually is. I picked these. These are not like in a book. These are not absolutes, but, but we all will agree that this is things that wind does or does not do. So, number one, characteristics of wind. Wind makes a sound. 
Right now, the sound that you hear is either the air conditioner or the rain falling, so that is not the wind. But I think all of us could agree that we've been outside and we've heard stuff rattling, wrestling, doing all kinds of stuff, and we've heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind going through. Can y'all agree? Say yes. If you haven't heard wind before, I don't even know what to tell you. But this is what Genesis 3.8 says. Now listen, God had breathed into the dirt, made man. This is shortly after that when I just told you that they ate from the wrong fruit. That means to ingest information. And instead of living in the tree of life, they decided to live in the knowledge of good and evil because inherently inside of us, each one of us want to be God because we think I can do that my own way. That is the nature of human beings. We are fallen creatures. And we think, I've got this, God. Why don't you come beside me and help me do my thing? But I don't need you inside me doing your thing. I'm preaching better than y'all are talking to me up in this mug today. And it says, and I think this is so fascinating because up until this point, it was common and ordinary. Listen, oh my goodness, if y'all miss this, this part has got me rattled right now. It was normal for them to walk in the presence of God. And they didn't think anything about it. It was normal for them to walk with God. It was normal for them to be with God and then sin. And immediately it says they heard the sound. Someone say heard the sound. Of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool. That's the word ruach. It's fascinating. In the cool of the day. Your translation, this is the English standard. Your translation might say in the wind in the cool of the wind of the evening, but in the cool of the day, in the, in the ruach, in that, in that moving air that is actually our Lord. I'm not saying every time the wind blows, that's God. But I'm saying every time that his presence is around, you know it. And there was a sound that they heard, and it scared them, and it says the Lord called, where are you? Where'd you go? And look, it says, I heard the sound of you. I heard you. And whereas before I wasn't afraid, I didn't even know I was supposed to be afraid. I didn't know I was supposed to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know. I, I, I was a child in my thought process because I didn't have this, this knowledge of what things were supposed to be, what people would think about me, what all these other things. And then, then I realized I was naked and I was ashamed of my nakedness. So I had to go cover myself and I hid from your very presence. We wonder what the problem is and we hear the sound of God and we run from it. Because we've seen it packaged poorly and we think that must be God. No, that's poor people packaging it badly, but God is good and I want all of him. Is anybody else with me in this place? And he said, I heard the sound of you and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid myself. I feel like we could just stop right here and say the church is hidden themselves. And until they open themselves up to what God would do, we can pray all we want to pray. It's time to keep praying, but start moving because he's here. But we hide ourselves from what he do because we want to control moves of God. Listen, you can't. I'm getting ahead of myself. But Second one is that wind can be felt, but you can't see wind. You can't see wind. You can feel wind, but you can't see wind. I love what John 14. Now listen, this is important. Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples. At the end of this time when Jesus was in the upper room, he would give them the last supper he would be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane in a few hours after that, and he would be killed the next day. This is a conversation in John 14, 15, and 16 in that upper room, and this is Jesus explaining, when I go, 
I'm going to leave someone that makes it better because he's not just going to be here. He's going to be here. My spirit will be left for you and he'll be inside of you, not beside of you. And this is what he says in John 14, 16. He says, I'm, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. Everybody say helper. Some translations say comforter. That word is parakletos, para, like we use parachute. It's the same beginning, and it's the picture of any time he comes beside me, he goes before me, he's behind me, like Psalm 139.5 says that that is one of his roles in my life when I need a helping hand, when I need comfort in my life, when I'm grieving too deep for words. Romans 8.26 says that the Holy Spirit intercedes on my behalf. That's one of his roles, and it's beautiful, but look, look at what Jesus said here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to give you a helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, the spirit of God. My spirit will be left for you, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees, because you can't see wind. In this world, this age of reason that we live in, everyone wants to have absolute concrete. I need to see it, but it's so ironic that we never question when a tornado comes through what actually took place, that it was a mighty wind. We say that was the wind that tore that building down. We never question that one time, but when God does a movement, we question everything because we live in our own ignorance and we want proof. Here's what I'm telling you. There is proof, but he's in you. And if we don't tap into what God is, then we will always question everything negatively. And I'm not saying you should never question because I believe some people are manipulative and some people need to be questioned. But God does not ever need to be questioned because he's right. And whenever I say, God, I don't believe you can do this, what I'm saying is I believe that it has to flow through my finite nature and in my reasoning because the world can't receive it. And sometimes I believe this should say today's church can't receive it. And it doesn't know him. But it says, listen, disciples, he's talking. Can y'all picture it? He's sitting around this table lounging and he says, but you know him because he dwells in you. And so this gives you the picture that already the Holy Spirit was inside of them, but he had not been activated. He had not been activated till he fell from heaven in Acts chapter 2. And he says he's going to be with you. And I love to think through those disciples that were sitting in that room that were thinking to themselves right now, what's this cat talking about? Like he's always philosophical and he says crazy stuff, but he's going to be all right. He's Jesus. We've seen him like heal the blind and we've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead by this point. And we've seen him do all these things. So he's crazy, right? This is just fun. And 24 hours later, they were weeping and they were running for their lives because their savior had died. Just imagine being in this room and being these people. And then imagine when you're on the run and you see all of this happen and you think there's no hope for my life, that the same people that were there were the ones that were testifying in acts and doing all these unbelievable things. And the church was spreading like wildfire because it was never about them. It was about the God that they served. And many times in our lives, we forget that because we need a tangible evidence of what is to look like in this and that and the other. I'm telling you, there is one and he's inside of you. He's alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. That's the word of God. He is alive in you, and he is ready and willing to do anything that we, much more than I can even put my mind to. I can't even describe what I believe God's going to do. But in my skepticism in my life, I've always said, but, may, well, them, them, because they got, you know, if we just had, we got him. I don't need anyone 
for God to do it. I've got God and he will do it. The next one is that, and I believe this is where we find trouble. Church people, I need you to listen to me. If you've been in church longer than 10 minutes, and today everybody has, so that's awkward. If you've been in church longer than an hour in your entire life, if you have a heartbeat right now and you're breathing, this is a problem for us. Because we love anything that we can control. But take me out of the ability to control. It drives Leah crazy because I love to drive. Because I'm a control freak. And then every once in a while, I'll let her drive. And she groans. I'm just being honest with y'all. She groans. And it doesn't make her bad. It's because I critique her driving. Is that true? And it's because I want to control it. You should have turned. Why are you waiting? Hurry up. What's going on? And I'm just controlled because I'm, I'm crazy. I'm a control freak the entire time because I want to be in control. And, and so I'm not a backseat driver. I'm an all-seat driver. Like, it's terrible. People just like, shut up and drive. Why are you talking to me? Well, you're the one that asked me to drive, so why are you talking? My bad. Guilty. And it's because the reality of our lives are when it comes to our kids, like, I think people are all in with Jesus, and then, and then God says, well, well, what about your kids? I've had so many people tell me I'm, I'm good with God as long as nothing happens to my kids. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you that I hope something happens to my kids. I'm, I'm standing telling you that my kids are not my own, that they're on borrowed time, and that they're God's kids, and that I believe that about every single one of your children. You may not. Because we want to control. I, I promise you I've been around parents before that I just, I, if I could have built them a bubble, I would have felt better about the situation. It's like, you won't even let your kid like, get three seconds in the sun. They, they don't catch something in the sun, I promise. And, and it's because, and I'm not making fun of them. It's human nature, and I'm different. I, I, I get control freak about other things. I get overwhelmed and want to control all of the situations. I want to control people when I'm not right in the Lord. I want to control all of these things because I want all the controllables lined up. We want every answer. We want the syllabus for our life. We want everything lined up. And if we got all that, God, I'm all in. But as soon as we don't, we're, we're fed up and we're ready to throw our hands up. And I'm telling you, wind is uncontrollable. If I go outside right now and I say, stop! That might sound really funny and cool. It ain't going to stop. There was a, one dude that did it on the back of a boat, and he was awesome. We're talking about him a lot today and every week. His name's Jesus. He said, peace be still. I believe that that same Jesus left his spirit living in you. But when I tried to control without him, God didn't tell me to go out and stop the wind. So I'm betting that if I go out there and yell at it, it ain't going to do nothing. But I bet if Jesus tells it to stop, it's going to move wherever he wants it to move. Because he's the only one. And he allows the wind to come to you, not to destroy you, but so that you'll look to him. Those things that happened in your life that have, that have overwhelmed you and you've been angry and you've said, how can this happen? God has a plan, but, but we, don't wait enough, we don't wait around long enough to see his plan work. We get angry with God because we think that we should have all the answers. Can, I, can you just, maybe this will help somebody today. You are never going to have all the answers. God did not build you to know it all. As a matter of fact, you wouldn't want to because you'd stress yourself to death if you did. 
God gives you a lamp to your feet and a light to your path in his word. And that means you get the next few steps, not the whole plan. That I do believe that everybody has a great destiny in God. But listen to this. That is only your redemptive, your redemptive potential. That is only what can happen if you walk in his redemption every day. It's, it's only the desired destination of your life. It's not the guaranteed destination of your life. And the problem is we want to know the end, but we don't enjoy the process. We don't enjoy the journey because we want to control the journey. It is not yours to control. Your only controllable is, will my mind line up with his spirit or my flesh? That is my only controllable. And the moment that I say I want alignment with his spirit is the moment that I put down the reins and I say, you take the wheel. And for someone like me that criticizes my wife, who's, I'm a much worse driver than she is, but it doesn't matter in my own brain. I want the wheel. I want control. So this is nearly impossible. As a matter of fact, God said it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Look at what he says in John 3. This is a conversation it's one of the most famous that's ever been talked about or written down. John 3.16 is a verse that almost everybody in here could quote. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But in this conversation with Nicodemus, who was a religious man at night, he says, listen, the wind blows wherever it wishes. You can hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. And listen, so it is with every one of you that go from that natural man and natural woman to taking Jesus and his salvation and becoming born of the Spirit. Because the dust that was blown into and made Adam became sinful. So Jesus took your sin and became sin, is what 2 Corinthians 5 says, so that I could become the righteousness of God. And that's what it looks like to have his breath, his wind flowing through me. And all of us love the thought of that, I bet. I bet almost everybody in here would say, yes, pastor, that's awesome. Until I say, but you don't get to control it because we, it goes wherever it wishes. And so it is with, this, with each of you that is born of the Spirit. And I really do picture Ezekiel chapter 47 where it's the vision of the river. And Ezekiel steps out in this vision and he says that he goes ankle, knee, waist, deep. And, and this is what I think of when I think of the uncontrollable wind, y'all, is as long as I'm in the water and I can control it, we feel safe. And if there's a river and a current like it's picturing in the Bible, because the presence of God is pictured by the, a, the, a river that, that is too deep to pass and I can't contain. Now listen, and at the point that I pick my toes out of the sand that I've dug into and I say, Wherever you take me, I'm going to trust. I'm not good enough at swimming or, or doing this life that I can control everything. I'm coming to the realization in my own self, in my own heart, I've come to the realization I'm not in control. So I'm trusting you 100% wherever you want to go, let's go. Wherever you decide, let's go. Let's do this thing right now, let's go. And what I found is almost every person that calls themselves Christian loves the idea of the river of God flowing, the wind blowing in their life. But it's the moment that I lose absolute control, that I can't control, that I say I'm out. I've got to control this thing. God, you can come hang out with me. 
you can come in the church service. I like to feel your presence and all, and it's fun, but, but I'm out. And it's devastating because we miss what God has for us. Y'all, I believe that it's because we want control that the church has not seen what God is. I, I don't even want to say what God is capable of. It's what God is. He is this. He is movement. He is life. He is newness. And there is nothing that we cannot accomplish in Christ Jesus. But in Christ means that his spirit is filling us and flowing through us every single day. It's not Jesus' last name. It's what he is. And we miss it because we want control. We can't control the God of the universe who spoke and made everything. Like if, if, if we even try to quantify that thought process, we laugh at ourselves, but we still do it every time we wake up. And this is what we miss, and this is the best part, that wind refreshes us. On Tuesday, I got to go hang out with Woodruff's football team, um, and they had a spring practice, and it was a, it was a great practice, and Coach Elder asked me to speak at the end. And, but what I need you to know is that it was 90 degrees and humid, and um, I'm not built for 90 degrees and humid. Can somebody say amen? Some of y'all might like hot, but you are skinny. Okay, I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> so I rebuke you in Jesus' name. But the craziest thing happened is about halfway through the practice, there was this, I mean, it was literally 90. And so I don't know what the heat index was, but a wind started blowing. And it was just so refreshing, y'all. I mean, it was just like, I can, I can make it through this, and I'm not practicing. I'm watching those boys in pads sweat their hineys off, and I'm thankful that I'm standing here on this fence. But I was like, this is, ugh. And I knew it. I was watching them, and they were, like, putting their heads back and taking their helmets off and, and, and feeling that breeze flow through when they would get water and stuff. And I was like, man, it's amazing how that ties in with what God is in our lives, that he really is the freshness that comes. Y'all look at this. I pray this prayer almost every morning. It's actually not a prayer, it's a psalm. This is the message version. I memorized it in another version. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and renew a right spirit within me. But I love what this says. I love what this says in the message. It says, God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a genesis, which means brand new, new beginnings. A Genesis week from the chaos of my life. He says, don't throw me out with the trash or fail. Listen, this is crazy. This is Numa. This is Ruach. Don't, don't fail to breathe holiness in me. Bring me back from that gray exile that all of us have felt probably in the last week. And put a fresh wind in my sails. I, 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 want, I want to feel that freshening, that that newness, that, that life, but I can't feel it trying to control everything and I can't feel it without his presence in my life. I cannot ever get to that. And this is what happens, y'all. This is what happens. There's a place around South America on the Atlantic side that is five degrees latitude, five degrees longitude that is called the doldrums. The doldrums. A lot of us have used this this term before, but we didn't know what it actually meant. The doldrums are a place that the way the wind blows in this particular area and the way, because it's close enough to the equator, the way that the gravity pulls and the wind blows, it goes from a pretty stiff breeze, like if y'all have been on a cruise ship or if y'all have been at the ocean ever and walked on the beach, 
it's, there's normally at least some wind. But in this one place, it is completely stagnant because it's like you get in this bubble and, and it just stops. And before there were big, huge motors and engines on these boats that we go on now, there were just sailboats. And we know the stories. We've seen stuff about it. And when people would try to go around South America on these sailboats, they would sail into the doldrums. And it literally, listen, you can read about it. People would die in the doldrums because they would get stuck. There was nothing they could do. You, you couldn't get stuff to them because if you got in there, you'd get stuck too. And people would die. They would have their stuff. They would be going around. And if they didn't pay attention, they would sail straight into this one place called the doldrums. They would sail into this one place that didn't have a fresh wind in their sails, pushing them through so that they continue on their path. And, and this is what I came to tell you today is that many of you came in here and you may want to get a little Jesus and have it sprinkled on you. But if, if, if Jesus isn't filling your life every day, if his spirit isn't freshening you, if he's not waking you up, if you don't have an understanding of who he is and you don't walk with him every day, then you'll find doldrums in your life and spiritually it will kill you. It will kill you. And we think to ourselves, listen, this is what I do. I, I'm giving y'all the truth about me today. I say to myself, well, if I can just get to vacation, then I'll be okay. If I can just get that promotion, if I can, just, if she would just date me, if he would just, if he would just see me, if, if these things would just happen, then, then I would be okay. Because we put stuff in the place of the Holy Spirit. And it can never feel what God is intended to feel in your life. And we crush people because we try to get them to fill a gap that can only be filled with the breath of God, with the freshness of God, with what he actually is because he's not weird and he's not scary. He's beautiful and amazing and loving and he loves you and he wants a relationship with you and then he wants an everyday walk with you. But most of us like Adam find ourselves ashamed of what we are so we hide ourselves from the presence of God. And God says, come back, I'm not calling shame on you. I'll take that sin and I'll say shame off of you. And this is our response, y'all. This is the goal that God has for each one of us. He, this is what I believe God desires for you. And this is the message version again. It says, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit is moving and it's breathing. He is breathing in you. It's the most intimate part of your entire life, making you, making you fit for himself. Please don't take such a gift for granted. He fits you perfectly for him. You are a puzzle piece with God to walk with him, to talk with him. And when you try to take stuff on yourself, you, you never accomplish your mission in Christ Jesus. When you tell God, I would love to do what you've called me to do, but this is perfect. I need this. What you've done is you've replaced something amazing that God has for you with something good that you think is the best for you. You've got to put down your best and take on God's best or you'll never experience his fullness. And I believe this is the message for the capital C church today. It's not about him making you cool. It's not about one man. It's not about any of that. It's about the Lord. And it's about what he wants for you. His spirit is for you to freshen you so that he can prepare you for him. Because it all points back to Jesus. And he says, please don't take such a gift for granted. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, this is the this is actually second, and I put it in wrong. But in 2 Corinthians 13, 
This is the final thing that Paul wrote to this church. There's two books, two letters. And then the very final thing, the, the close out, this is it. He says, listen, this is what I want for you. This is my closing prayer. This is my blessing over you. That the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will be with you all. That, that the love of our amazing God and the grace given by the blood of Jesus, salvation, and then my friendship with the Holy Spirit will be with me. Look at what the message says. That the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, and the extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Did you see that? The intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Can I just tell y'all something? We think of the Holy Spirit in a lot of different ways. And if you look at, if you understand what I understood growing up, he was either a toy that you could wind up and do really cool magic tricks with in a lot of places, or he was someone to be afraid of because they talk about him too much. And somewhere in between that, there's a beautiful friend that loves you because the Holy Spirit's not an it, he's a person that desires a love relationship with you and he does it through an everyday fellowship, like a cool breeze walking through me, like that still small voice in my life that sometimes I need to refresh in myself. But, but what I look for is this crazy billboard and what I miss is the freshen and the nature of our true God that loves us and listen, is my friend. God didn't just love me and that is so amazing. God didn't just die for me and that is absolutely breathtaking, but God is my friend and he likes me. And most of us want to receive the love of God and want to receive the grace of God. And we walk out on God and try to do it ourselves. Listen, he likes you. He doesn't just love you. And he wants to be your friend every step of the way. And he knows your screw ups because he created you and he sees you. And he's not appalled by everything that you are. He's he loves you too much to let you stay there and he offers you freedom in Christ Jesus and to walk with him. But most of us find ourselves just like Adam because we love the concept in our brains of God but the control issues and the stuff in our lives, we, we look back and we go, I'm just not sure about this whole Holy Ghost thing and it feels weird and so we hide ourselves hoping that no one will see the true nature of Mark Pangle. The fact that we, that we cussed out somebody this week, the fact that, that we cheated on our spouse 10 years ago, the fact that we hate ourselves for what we used to be. And God says, just put that down and take on me. Because I, the blood that Jesus shed was enough for everybody, y'all. And it was enough for every sin and every shame and everything that you have, but you can never have the fullness of God until you put down that pig-headed fullness that I have in me. And I had to just humble myself and say these simple words, God, it's not about me. And I know people are gonna think I'm crazy, but I don't care anymore. I want all of you. And I just opened my heart up, y'all, and I said, God, give me all of you. I'm sorry, I turn and change my mind and I want you to just flood me with all of you. The journey has not been what I thought it would be. It's been much, much better. There's been hardships, 
But there's some doors opening up that I just laugh about and say, well, I ain't that good. I like to think that I'm good sometimes, but I surely ain't that good. I'm not even that prideful. It must be God. It must be because he really loves me and he likes me and he wants to be my friend. And can I tell you something? God is no respecter of persons. He's not up going, well, Mark gets that, but I can't give it to them other people. That's not our God. He's just waiting on you with the Father's love and the blood of Jesus and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me? Some of you, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, some of you have never experienced life. You've never given your heart and life to Jesus. And you need to heed Paul's words and understand that if you don't have God's love and you don't have his forgiveness and the grace that comes through the sacrifice that Jesus gave on the cross, then you can't have a friendship with God. That salvation is simply this, y'all. It's simply saying, I'm not the boss. You're the boss. You're the master. I take on Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross, that you rose again, Jesus, and that today I'm going to choose life in Jesus' name. I give you my heart and life, and I trust you with everything. And guys, I'm telling you, the most important thing that you can do, the most important decision you'll ever make is following Jesus. So just right where you sit, is there anybody that would say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. And the truth is, if I don't trust Christ, I don't know where I'll spend eternity because without Jesus, my destination is hell and separation from God. I choose life in Jesus' name today. I want to live in heaven. I want to be seated in heavenly places. I want to be alive in Jesus Christ right now. I want hope in Jesus. If that's you, and I believe God is going to save some people in this place. If that's you, I just want you to throw your hand up. You can put it right back down if you put it up. Let me just see your hand. I need to be saved today. Just put it up and put it right back down. That's me, Pastor. I need to be saved right now. I need to be saved. I believe this message was for everybody. And it was certainly for Christians. So this is my question to you. How many of y'all feel like you've lived in the doldrums? How many of y'all feel like you've, you found yourself so deep in the doldrums that the freshness of God has not blown through, that the controllables are frustrating you, that it's just overwhelmed you and you know you need hope in Jesus Christ. You need life in his name. If that's you, I just need you to throw your hand up and say, man, that's me. You're talking straight to me. I feel like there's no question that that has been my life, that I've lived a life that I've looked around and it's the doldrums. God, I just, I just want to close this way. I believe you see hands and I know the hearts of the people that you've stirred up. I know that you know the hearts of the people you've stirred up, Lord, and I, I just pray a blessing over them that the love of you, our Father, and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit, your, our friend, will absolutely overwhelm us and every day we'll look to you that you'll be the point and that in everything that we do you fill our lives so Lord we offer ourselves to you openly and freely and recklessly saying we're going to be radical in our obedience and we're going to go wherever you say go so we love you Jesus I'm so thankful that you know my name and you know our names thank you Lord we love you amen will you stand with us